Welcome to the Birth Journeys Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Hoff, BSNRN. I am a wife, a mother of two, and a nurse specializing in the care of women and newborns. In this podcast, we will share powerful journeys of birth givers with the goals of lifting the veil on the birth experience, healing through sharing, and beginning an open conversation to strengthen trust and promote transparency between birthing people and healthcare providers. Hello. Today I have with me Amanda Stoiko. Amanda is the mother of two boys and a brand new baby girl. Amanda has returned to tell her birth story after sharing her pregnancy story with us in episode five. Be sure to go back and listen to her original episode. She is a working mom and also sells anti-aging hair care and skincare. She has been active in health and wellness for over 15 years. Amanda, thank you so much for coming back and joining me. The last time we talked, I think you were 36 or 37 weeks pregnant and you weren't sure if you're going to have an induction or if you're going to go into natural labor. So I'm really excited to hear what happened. Thank you, Kelly, for having me back. This, yeah, it was definitely 36 or 37 weeks. My mom brain is in full effect at the moment. But yeah, it we were scheduled to have an induction at 39 weeks. It was a Friday. It was, I think it was, due date was November 11th. Um, and then they scheduled the induction for that Wednesday. So they didn't want to wait that long. So they scheduled it for the night. And so that was, we were all set to go. I stopped working that Friday, the Friday before. I was thinking about actually going back into work on Monday. Really glad I didn't. I'll tell you why. So that Sunday night, I woke up at about two o'clock in the morning with what seemed like Braxton Hicks contractions. And like I mentioned the last time we chatted, I started having Braxton Hicks contractions at like month four and five with this third pregnancy, which was crazy. So chalked it up to that. Thought, okay, well, more contractions, no big deal. But these felt different. These these definitely felt different. So remember, I'm not supposed to go in until Wednesday. It is Sunday night. And I'm like, there's no way she's coming early. Um, I said, you know, what? I'm going to get up and take a shower. Just let's get up. It's three o'clock in the morning. Why not? Let's just take a shower, see how I feel. So I get up, I turn the water on. I'm standing in the bathroom. And what I did not realize had happened, but all of a sudden my water broke. And I've never had my water break naturally with my two boys. With Noah, they broke it in the hospital. And with Elias, it did break on its own. So I, the whole like having your water break at home thing was, I was not prepared for that. It just kind of goes to show you that even though this is my third pregnancy, they are all so different. So I'm standing there in the bathroom with all this fluid just gushing out of me. My husband walks in and he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, my water just broke. I don't know what to do because in my head, my third pregnancy, my water just broke. This baby's going to be here in two seconds. Like that was the only thing going through my mind is, oh my gosh, I'm going to deliver this baby at home. I'm terrified. So we, like I mentioned, the older two boys, my mom was supposed to come take the boys whenever we went to the hospital. They're going to stay with them. So of course, in my head, I'm thinking, my mom is an hour away. How do we get her here? Do I just, I was literally considering driving myself to the hospital at this point because I was like, I, I just need to get to the hospital. I'm not delivering this baby like here. And so I called my OB, you know, the helpline or whatever, the emergency line. And I told them, I said, my water broke. Like, what do I do? And they were like, go, go to the hospital. I'm like, am I going to make it? Like, I don't know. So I calmed down. They reassured me everything was going to be fine. 
we just, at this point, I think it's 3.30 or 4 in the morning. And Nick woke up the boys. We all piled in the car. And here's the fun thing. I'm like, what, what do I wear? I'm, the water doesn't stop gushing. Again, I, for some of you listening, that's probably a no brainer, but I did not understand how this water breaking thing happened. I mean, I know how it happened, but like what now, like how long does it last? Like, is this going to just stop or does this continually go? So I threw on some old sweats and we grabbed towels and I put them on the seat. We have leather seats. So there's, that was a positive. And I just said, okay, let's go. So the hospital's about 15, 20 minutes away. We get there and I like waddle in with my wet self and go here. And I love it. You nurses are like, okay, cool. You guys were so, the nurses at an L&D are like, okay, so what's your name? Like asking me all the standard questions. I'm internally freaking out because again, in my head, this baby's going to fall out of me. I Can I just tell you one thing though? The towels is cracking me up because we call that a positive towel sign. That's like the, (laughs) that's our technical name for when we know someone's water has broken, that it's not like a false alarm when they come waddling in with a towel between their legs. Oh, because a pad just doesn't cut it. (laughs) No, no. And I'm like, I was searching for like, I thought maybe I had some of the paper pads left from like the last pregnancy. I, and that wouldn't have mattered. It would have no. gone right through that. <laughs> that's I, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, that's how we know. We don't do any testing on you if you come waddling with a towel between your legs. That's like, all right, well, you're staying. <laughs> I was like, oh lord, yeah. It was it was pretty fun. The nurse was like, okay, like we'll get you checked in, we'll get you back. And I'm like, I need to be, I need an epidural now. Like this baby's coming now. And they're like, just calm down. I'm like, okay. Yeah, they got me checked in, wheel me back or whatever. Then from there, everything was was pretty normal. I again, I I had an epidural with the first two. They had thankfully they'd already switched me over to heparin, so I was on heparin, which two shots every day, and that has a shorter half life, right? So I they knew since I was getting close to delivery, they were going to switch me to that. So that way, if I did go into labor, the having the epidural wouldn't be an issue. Yeah, and just a reminder if. Or if people haven't heard the f- episode five that you're in, you have a history of what's called DVT blood clots. It's deep vein thrombosis and they're blood clots. Yours was in your leg. And so yep. you've had to be on Lovenox until 36 weeks, correct? Which yep. is the one shot a day, which yep. is a blood thinner. And then you switch to heparin at 36 weeks because it's shorter half-life, but you have to take it twice a day. And that's just so that you don't have a high risk of bleeding with the epidural or with any other procedure that might cause bleeding. Exactly. Like if I had a C-section, they were concerned about that, you know. So thankfully, I was already on the heparin, so not a big deal. In fact, I had even, I had been way, so 12 hours is what they want, and it had been way longer than 12 hours since I'd had the the last shot. So um, they, you know, gave me the option, the epidural. I said, as soon as I can take it, because I'm a huge fan of epidurals, Um and so they came in, and this was interesting. The anesthesiologist, as she was placing the epidural first time, she said, oh, with supply chain issues right now, we're actually not really confident in what they were getting, like the supplies they were getting, like the catheter and all the other supplies used to administer and then, you know, maintain the epidural. I'm like, oh, okay, that's reassuring. So 
she puts it in and, you know, we, we waited a few minutes and, you know, they scale one to 10. How's your pain? I was still with the contractions around seven or eight. And I love this. She goes, no, I need you like Netflixing and chilling right now. That's the level I need you to be at. I'm going to use and- that. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I was like, really good analogy. I feel like everyone can relate to that. And I said, yeah, I'm definitely not Netflixing and chilling right now. And she was like, okay. So fast forward a little bit. It ends up she the epidural didn't take for whatever reason the supplies the catheter whatever it was was not working so when we waited about an hour for it to kind of kick in and you know as you know epidurals do not take that long to start to work so i said do it again i don't care just do it again so we sat up readministered it laid me back down and i was like yes there it is like you can just feel that feeling you know like relaxes. You just feel better. I said, okay, we're good. About an hour and a half later, I started doing all the contractions again. And now it's been four years since my last pregnancy, my last epidural. So I'm like, does it start to like, do they purposely have it wear off a little bit before? Like I couldn't remember. So I mentioned it to the nurse and she's like, no, you no, you should not feel anything right now. I said, okay, I'm up about a five. So she had come in to check something, I can't remember, and brought in another nurse to verify, right? The second nurse who came in picks up a tube and says, I think this should have been plugged in. Yes, sure as hell the tube was my epidural. And And it was anesthetizing the floor? Yes. (laughs) Because she was like, why is this wet? And I'm like, I don't know. What's happening? And then she was like, yeah, she, anesthesiologist forgot to plug it in. Nice. And I'm like, oh God. So they call her. She's like, yes. Oh my. Cause the nurse is like, I can just plug this in. But they're like, let's double check. So the anesthesiologist was like, yes, please absolutely plug it back in. So they did. And then another anesthesiologist came in to give me a bolus so I could get caught back up to where I was supposed to be. And he looks at me. He was like, this is going to take you. 45 minutes back to where you should be. And he, you know, ministered the bolus. And I was like, yes, there it is. (laughs) It feels so good. So success with the second and a half try of the epidural. And so at this point, it's probably like 30, 9 o'clock in the morning. I came in again around like four or five. And they gave me a little bit of Pitocin because I wasn't progressing as fast for the third one because they were like, this should happen pretty quick. I'm like, y'all said that with the last one. And it took Elias like a day to come out, but you know, it's fine. So they administered a little bit of Pitocin. And then the nurse came back in like an hour later and she was like, oh, she's here. And I was like, what? what? And she was, I'm calling the doctor. She's right there. I was like, oh, okay. So doctor came in. This was cool. I don't know if this is doctor preference or I had been four years and times have changed. I don't know. But she, the doctor stands when she delivers. And so she put my bed up to the point. I was almost vertical, like position wise. Like I was almost standing. I was so far forward, which was kind of cool because I could see more. I mean, I there are certain things I didn't want to see. Like I am not the girl that asked for the mirror. Like I don't, I never want the mirror. So I took two and a half pushes to push her out. It was amazing. And so I could see her, like basically like when she, as soon as she could, they like scooped her, I could see her head and then they pulled her up, placed her on me. And that was really cool because with the boys, like I couldn't see anything until they were basically like off the path. So you were like 
So the bed does like it can turn into a chair. Were you standing? Right. Was it supporting you? Yes. So my back, so the backrest of the mm-hmm. bed, 90 degrees almost. Okay. So I was like all the way forward. And then somehow the bottom part. The bottom comes down like a like yeah. feet. And she probably had you in the footrests. Yeah, exactly. And there's a hole underneath your butt when we put the bed down. Okay. So the doctor can put her hands underneath there. Right. Yep. Yeah. And I wasn't in the stirrups anymore. The stirrups were out, but then like they had Nick grab one leg and the other nurse had the other leg and they just held me. Yeah. Okay. Are you pregnant and planning a hospital birth? You don't need a birth plan. You need a birth vision. In my opinion, birth plans set you up for failure. Yep. I said it. Hear me out before you turn off this podcast. You may think that by downloading a generic birth plan, It means you're in control. The truth is, it's not that simple. No one can control exactly how their birth will go. There are way too many variables. What every pregnant person wants is to walk into the hospital pregnant and to walk out with a healthy newborn in their arms. The journey in between is the murky part. It's hard to know what issues might come up that need to be addressed. If you focus your energy on a birth vision rather than giving your power to a birth plan, you can empower yourself to make the best choices for you and your baby. That's why you need to get into my Empowered Hospital Birth Program. As a labor nurse and mindset coach, I can help guide you through the process of maintaining the calm autonomy that will help you achieve the birth vision you desire. In my Empowered Hospital Birth Program, I will help you identify the source of anxiety you have surrounding hospital birth, fill in knowledge gaps to make sure that you are fully informed and confident, Learn key phrases so you can better communicate with your medical team. Emotionally process your fears so that they don't hold power over you. Go to kellyhoff.com backslash empowered to book a free 30-minute private birth vision call where we will identify your top fears and must-haves and gain clarity on exactly how you want to feel in the birth space. That's K-E-L-L-Y-H-O-F dot com backslash empowered. I'm honored to be a part of your birth journey. Yeah, it was cool. it was really, really simple. And again, it was number three. So she kind of like slid right out. Plus the boys had huge heads and did a lot of damage. So they kind of paved the way for her. And she, the doctor was so cute. She said, apparently when Emerson was born, she came out with her arm like next to her head. So she said, had she not had her hand in the way, there would have been zero tearing. There's a slight, small level one tear or whatever that is that she had to put like one or two stitches in. But that was it. And compared to the boys, I will take that. Very, very smooth delivery. Like I said, two and a half pushes. That was it. She was out. She was good. Very healthy, which was great. And then there was a little bit of drama afterwards. Her temperature dropped a little bit. And so they put her on the warmer, right? No big deal. I think her temperature was like 97, low 97. Put her on the warmer. She warmed right up to where they wanted her to be. Gave her back to me. And then we went into post-labor and delivery. And about a couple hours later, they came in and said, well, because she's in sepsis protocol, we need to take blood. And we were like, sepsis protocol? And they said, yeah, she had she had a fever when she was born. And we're like, the opposite. She was actually low. And the doctor said, well, the, this was the pediatrician at this point, was like, 
no, she had 101 degree fever. We were like that. No, she absolutely did not. And my husband had been standing actually next to the warmer watching her temperature. And he actually saw when the nurse said, okay, she's good and took her off the warmer. So kind of fast forward, what we think happened is maybe the nurse, I don't know, fat fingered it in or we're not sure, but we were able to kind of convince them after a couple of the other, they did do the first part of sepsis protocol, which is right, the blood drawing and checking her blood for any sort of infection. And she cleared it. Typically, they'll, as you know, they'll go back and do another sepsis blood draw and check for infection. And that's what we didn't want to do because we would have had to stay in the hospital another 24 hours. We're like, no, we need to get home. Like I jumped ahead a little bit, but my recovery was going super easy, super quick and it was very easy compared to the boys. So I was like, no, I, I would rather go home. I would rather not stay another day. So talking to the nurse, we had a really awesome nurse and then the pediatrician doctor, but the nurse was actually the one that was able to kind of convince the doctor, like, she doesn't need to stay. Like, she's totally fine. That was a mistake. We don't need to draw any more blood. So that was a win. That was great. That nurse was phenomenal. But yeah, after we went into the post-labor and delivery stuff, they, everything went well. It was really smooth. Like I said, I think because she didn't do as much damage, like I was able to like sit up and walk around pretty quickly once the epidural wore off and it went great. So much easier delivery this third time, despite the drama in the beginning with the water breaking. It was pretty uneventful and she is a healthy baby girl. She was only six pounds, 15 ounces, which compared to the boys who are over eight, she's a tiny little little peanut. But yeah, she's healthy and I recovered super quick. I don't have any, nothing really crazy happened in recovery this time around again, because I think it's number three and it was much better, but I am back on Lovenox. So I'm back on the blood thinners until I can figure out what's going on. I just had my blood drawn again with my hematologist to do more testing. So I'm still waiting on those results to see if this is a genetic condition, if this was just a one-off, and then what the therapy will look like going forward if I'll have to stay on like an oral blood thinner type, or if this is a, hey, when you fly, you got to wear the compression stockings and, you know, take a baby aspirin, something like that. So still trying to wait and figure out what that's going to look like. But that is Miss Emerson's entry into the world. (laughs) She's so cute. (laughs) Thank you. I love all your posts. I just like, I just want to squeeze her. (laughs) (laughs) And And the boys are absolutely loving her. They are. And so we're nervous about that, right? Like, bringing home a little girl. Now I have a middle child, so we weren't sure how Elias was going to handle it, but they have been amazing. Elias almost smothers her, how much he, then her face and kissing. And Noah has, Noah's seven. He's mastered the art of holding her. And he knows how to pick her up. He, he, we call her the Emerson whisperer because he will pick her up and like kind of bop her around a little bit and she calms right down for him. It's Aww. so funny and so cute. So, I have an extra set of hands, which is great because there are times where I'm like cooking dinner or doing something. I'm, she's screaming and I'm like, Noah, can you go get Emerson? Like, boy, expecting him to be like, no. And he's like, yeah, I'll get her. I'm like, oh, thank God. Aww. I wish I'd had that when with both of my screaming kids. Yes. It's having the age gap has actually been a blessing. So yeah. there are seven years between the two of them. The four-year-old, I don't let him pick her up from the floor like I will mm-hmm. hand 
her to him. Right. But Noah can pick her up from anywhere. And he's he's got the technique down. Like, he's got it. So, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. He's, he's a good big brother. You know, I have friends that have, like, some of them have just tons of kids. And they say that the hardest number is one. Yes. <laughs> I believe that. I Although I think if you went back now, like, again, like, say all of a sudden you erased your kids, but you had the knowledge yes. of ha- multiple children, having one now, I'm like, God, that'd be so easy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but it's the, the unknown, right? Exactly. Like, you just yeah. don't, you don't know what you don't know. Speaking of that, if you, after this third delivery, so I asked you this in your first interview, I think, I'm pretty sure I usually ask everybody, but if you could go back and tell yourself anything to prepare for this time around, or now knowing this, go back and prepare yourself before you had kids, what would you tell yourself? So I think with this time around with my water breaking at home, that was the biggest shock for me. And what I should have done is asked my OB prior, like when I had that last appointment, said, hey, what happens if my water breaks at home? Because I've never had that happen. And for me, it was the timing. Like I was seriously nervous about having her at home because I just had a cousin who delivered a baby in a car. (sighs) And it was her third or fourth. And I was like, I no, I'm not doing that. So that was what I was so terrified of. And I wish I had just kind of gone over some contingency plans, if you will, with my OB and asked her like timing wise, like how much time do I have when my water breaks? And I'm sure it's, it's probably varies, but just to have a better idea of like, okay, I, cause I, I, I was a bad mom this time. I did not even have my hospital bag packed. Like I had, you don't need it though. Truthfully, the last two, I was like super prepared. I had everything ready to go. This time I was like, what am I? I don't, what am I wearing? Like what, what, what's happening? You just have to so, wear clothes though. Like, honestly, you just need clothes. Yeah. We have the rest. <laughs> you really do. You guys do have everything. But of course, like, cause it was a girl I wanted, like I had an outfit for her yeah. that I wanted her to come home in and like all the things and like just frantically running around trying to grab all that stuff. I would have probably caused myself a lot less stress yeah. if I had just had that prepared or just known like I had time. Like, mm-hmm. so I, I checked in at four or four, between four and five. I didn't deliver her till 1130 that morning. Yeah. So but plenty of time. In your defense, that's <laughs> not something that you would really know. Like, even if you'd called your doctor, she probably would have been just like, well, you know, get here when you can. But we don't really have any idea if that you know, when that's going to happen. Usually like, so for me, I, you know, everybody's terrified of their water breaking and then they're having their baby either at home or on the way, or they don't have anybody to drive them. Like that's the, that's everybody's kind of worst nightmare. I mean, it happens and everybody's fine. Um, People want to be prepared for that. So I usually tell people pack your bag at 36 weeks. If that's going to be a big stressor, buy some, those pads, like training your puppy that have the plastic on the bottom. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that would have been brilliant. Right. And have them in the car because if you're dripping, I mean, the towels are great also, like towels and the pads, the puppy pads. Yeah. But like if you do deliver your baby in the car, not only is that, are those great things to have because they're plastic on the outside, they keep the baby warm and they keep the baby dry. You can switch them out. You can throw them away. They're easy to like clean up. 
you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Then you kind of have everything taken care of. Because I mean, everybody I know is like, what do I do if this happens? And sometimes it does happen. And then it's just kind of an expensive bill to clean up your car. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So pro tip, if you don't have a ride or if you have to take an Uber or whatever, just have the puppy pads on hand. You can always give them away if you don't use them, you know? (laughs) Yes. That's a great tip. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because I mean, we even use them at the hospital. They, we call them something different, but they're basically the same thing. That's hilarious. (laughs) Gosh. Yeah. That would have been, that was probably the biggest surprise for me other than obviously all the blood thinning stuff, which was just, you just have to play by ear. There's nothing you can do about that, but yeah, the water breaking and, and that was, yeah, that was fun. So, but otherwise it was pretty, pretty smooth sailing. So yeah. So I've added another question since, since the last time we talked, I've had a lot of people kind of talk to me about the mystery behind how to push and everybody kind of has like a different take on what finally made their brain click in to the technique that helped them push this time around I don't think probably I mean probably it was just like sit up we talked about that (laughs) and that (laughs) is provider preference and it kind of just depends on the position of your baby and all that stuff and the how comfortable the provider is catching the baby in that position but with your others, you mentioned that it was a little bit more challenging. So what was it that finally clicked for you that helped you like get into beast mode and really push? So I think it was just, and I'm, I'm an athlete, so I've been lifting and you know working out and competing basically my whole life, which has been very helpful. Being in shape, definitely. My first two pregnancies, I was in really good shape. This one, not so much, which thank God I didn't have to push as much because <laughs> I, oh, it, it was a rough one in terms of not being able to exercise. But with the first two, I kind of, I never, I didn't think I had to push that hard. And then when the doctor and the nurses were like, you need to push harder. I was like, oh, this is like for real. This is like go time. This is like, I kind of went into competition mode, if that makes sense. Like whether that's rowing or swimming or, you know, even running, like I'm not a runner, but you know, runners kind of get into that zone. For me, it was probably the most closely related to like a leg press. So doing like a really, really heavy leg press, because you're in that position. It's a very similar position. And just that that push. And it's it's a weird like you kind of figure it out of like, you're not trying to poop, but it's still you're pushing that area and you kind of feel it even with an epidural, everyone thinks like, Oh, you don't feel anything. No, you still feel it. You feel the pressure. So for me, it was just kind of locking into that, almost that competition mode and just thinking like if I was trying to either compete at my highest level by, you know, beating somebody in strength or by speed, what is that mode that I needed to lock into and push that hard? Because, you know, you think, oh, it's easy. It's not easy. Oh my gosh, it's not easy at all. And so I think just locking into that, that zone is what like really kind of helped me get through that and and have a successful push, if you will. Yeah, I agree. I think it just, I just felt like it was like the hardest thing I'd ever done in my life. You know? Yeah, for sure. You, you get to the point where you're working really hard and it's just not enough. And it's like, okay, yeah. uh, dig deep and like, you're going to see Jesus right now. Like, Right. Yes. <laughs> like, exactly. It's a spiritual experience. It, it's insane. I There's nothing I've ever done like it or since. It's most intense physical experience I've ever had in my life. It really is. And it, my husband is a very serious. He's a ginormous man. He can lift a lot, a lot of weight. 
And I look at him and I'm like, no, this, this takes all your squat PRs and all of your deadlift PRs and puts it all to shame. Yeah. Like I probably could have PR'd his squat with the amount of effort I was putting forth and pushing. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's next level, but like that is also speaks to the capability that our bodies have, yeah. how amazing women's bodies are, that we are able to do that and push out this little miracle or large miracle. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's when they say harder, they're not joking. No, like it's, it really is. Yeah. So I usually give people a chance, try to give them feedback. But then when the doctors get in there, it's where baby's ready to come out. It's when they start yelling. <laughs> like, yeah, you need to be a monster. Get mad at it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Good question, though. Yeah. I want to put together a separate episode on pushing tips. Just yes. clips out from everybody. So I'm going to probably go back and ask everybody to give me that advice. Because, I mean, it's different for everybody. And I think it would be helpful to just have those things in their mind. Like, even if you're getting ready to push, you know, listen to the episode right before you go in, just so that you can be in that mindset to get going. Yeah. Well, and it's funny. I always kind of dismissed or disrespected the whole like Kegel exercises mm -hmm. and all like the pelvic, the pelvic floor, mm -hmm. right? Your pelvic. Because again, I'm like, I'm an athlete, whatever. Like I, I do core stuff. No, it's so different. So I found a program online where she really focused on your pelvic floor and learning how to strengthen it. Mm -hmm. And I started doing it because I couldn't do anything else this pregnancy, right? Yeah. I was just like, I wasn't for anything to do. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, I've never really you know, exercised that quote muscle. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't really need it this time because I... <laughs> I didn't really have to push, but that would have been really helpful kind of going through that program and kind of being able to feel your pelvic floor. Like yeah. you think we know what it is, but you really don't mm -hmm. until you, you kind of sit there and, until and you don't have it anymore. Right. Right. <laughs> until you're and, sneezing and panting um, simultaneously. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I wish I had found that program like with my first one. Yeah. Because I think that of like just that that mind to muscle connection yes. that's like thing with your pelvic floor it sounds so crazy mm -hmm. but i'm like oh man there it is yeah hello <laughs> friend <laughs> yeah. do you know that do you remember the name of it yeah so it's it's anna coyman is her name mm -hmm. her company is strong sexy mamas Ooh. she's australia nice she was like a, a news person for a while and then had her she has two kids mm -hmm. And got out of news anchoring or whatever and just started kind of on this journey of helping women pre and post natal with their with their fitness. Yeah. So a really good it's, it's all online and it, you know, all kinds of levels and all kinds like you can start it at eight months and then you're, during your pregnancy if you want. She it's all available for anyone. So, yeah, that was my actually Nick sent it to me. He was like, you might want to check this out. I was like, what are you trying to say? Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just trying to help. Like you're looking for a pro because I couldn't, I couldn't lift, I couldn't run, I couldn't do anything. So this was really good to just kind of focus on. She does breathing exercises, she does the pelvic floor exercises. So that was that was helpful. Yeah, that's super important, and it's just shocking that in the United States that that's just not a general part of perinatal care. Because in France, I've heard that there's just it's just built into their system. So, yeah. and it's so key and it could save so much money in surgeries and treatments and all sorts of complications. So it's just a wonder that here it's just not part of everything. Exactly. And she, she's American, but she 
I want to say, ha- I think she may have had one child in the States and one child in Australia. I'm not sure, mm-hmm. but she mentions that a lot. There's, and I can't, I'm, you might know the name of the, the women doctors that are really focused on therapy for, for women. Mm-hmm. They do specific exercises and such. It's like PT for, for moms. Yeah. And you can go actually get your pelvic floor tested mm-hmm. and how strong it is and, and or weak or all the things. And then they can like create a program for you. And I'm like, I don't know if they do that here like or if it's not well known. Yeah, it's usually, for instance, I was referred to a physical therapist after my second. Okay. And they do other, there's other options. There's a biofeedback type of thing where they put electrodes in there. I was like, yeah, no, I don't really want. <laughs> no, thank you. There's apps that you can get with a pessary or something like that that you put in and you do the exercises in it. Like you, you squeeze the thing that's in there. Oh, gosh. I was like, no, 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 no. (laughs) I'm good. And I did go to physical therapy and it was a little bit more invasive than I liked. But there was a lot of takeaway, I think. With both kids, I had an episiotomy, so I had a lot of scar tissue, and I think that was a big part of my challenge for healing, and she would manually break up the scar tissue, which isn't enjoyable, but but it helped. (laughs) Oh, gosh. That would be rough. Yeah, but then she also gave me the breathing and the exercises, and I think that was probably the most helpful, especially the breathing, because I'm not very good at doing follow-up exercises. I just get busy and I'm just really not good at stopping to do something for myself. So I would really focus on the breathing, especially if I was picking up something heavy or a lot of what she had me focus on was I go up and down the stairs all day long because I'm always forgetting something on the second floor or the first floor and going back and forth. And she just said, blow out when you're going up or down the stairs. Because that just is a subtle lift of your pelvic floor so that you're not bearing down every time. And it was just more mindfulness to realize I had this tendency to hold my breath whenever or like bear down, but just like do the opposite motion when I was doing physical things like lifting. And she was like, no, just blow up. It's a simple change in strategy that's going to change everything. And yeah, if, absolutely. If everybody just did that, we'd have such better pelvic floors. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. It's crazy. Yeah. So, okay, you said you're going back to work like really soon, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. On the 23rd of January. Okay, so t- okay, so like in a week. No, two weeks. Yeah, almost. About, about two. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Do you think you're ready? <laughs> I, yes and no. Like, I feel like physically I feel fine. I mean, the tiredness is, you know, as normal. Mm-hmm. But when I think about, because I've, I've been away from her for about eight hours at a time at this point, And it's been, it's been fine. But I don't know. I But I knew I was going to be with her. Like, because I, I did go into work to do insurance stuff. And so, but I knew I was, that was a one-time thing. Like I was going to go in and I was going to come out and not have to go to work the next day. So it'll be interesting when I have to go and I'm there at work for back in the, you know, kind of the, the grind and not being with her all the time will be interesting. With the boys, I was okay. I also stayed home a little bit longer with them. And this time it's just, I'm kind of having that mom guilt thing with like, I kind of need to go back to work. 
not from like a financial standpoint, but like my job, there's things that I need to get done and things that need need to happen. But I'm also like, eh, but I still have, I have more leave I can take. But then I'm like, well, I just take it later. I'll just use it throughout the year, take longer chunks throughout the year. So it's this, like, I want to get back to work because I enjoy my job and the people and adults, adult conversations. <laughs> but I'm also like, oh, I don't know if I want to be away from her that long. So we'll see. It'll be interesting. If, if I get back to work and I'm like, ah, I need more time, I can stay home. So that is one thing that I'm grateful for that I have that flexibility. So yeah, that's great. Are they flexible with hours? Would you be able to do like part time days so that you can just get tasks done so that you don't feel so overwhelmed? I could probably tell them like I'm only working four days a week. Mm-hmm. For me, that would be better. Like once I'm at work, I'm at work. Yeah. And it's hard to kind of cut that off. But if getting the extra days on during the week would be huge. So it's actually, and I say that the first week I'm back, my daycare actually can't do the whole week. It's an in-home daycare. So she can't do the whole week. So I'm actually only going back for two days and then I'm out mm-hmm. for the rest of the week. So I am kind of easing back into it. I think that's going to help. But they know if I want to take a three or four day weekend, like that's not a big deal. So that's, that's huge. Yeah. So every pregnancy, the insurance will issue you a new pump. Did you get a new pump this time? So I did not go through the insurance company this time. I wanted like a, a mobile one right. like oh, that I can walk around because I am so tired of being strapped to my chair, whether I'm nursing or pumping. I'm like, this is ridiculous. So I found an LV one and I love it. It's completely cordless. Yeah. So motor is super small and it connects to the the two cups that go on your boobs mm-hmm. and then you slip it on your waist and then you can walk around with it. Yeah. It's been a lifesaver. So insurance did cover part of it, which was cool. Mm-hmm. I have Blue Cross Blue Shield and it's awesome. So they covered part of it. I got a, like a discount, if you will, mm-hmm. but it was totally worth it. It was worth every penny because yeah. I started pumping probably like week one or two with her because I wanted to get a, a stock built up for when I do go back to work. Mm-hmm. The emergencies, like all of a sudden you need a week's supply for whatever reason. Yeah, it's been awesome. I'm a huge fan of that. Yeah, those pr- those portable pumps are amazing. Definitely yes. worth it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. The LV, for some reason, I thought it was like, didn't have a separate controller. Does it have tubes that come out? Yeah, okay. so it's got motor. Ha- yeah, it's not those ones that are like completely free. Uh-huh. Where it's like, it has a separate motor. The two cups connect you put two little, the tubes on them and they connect to this motor. The motor is like the size of my hand. Yeah. Is, that sounds more like the free me. The LV has one like that too. Yeah. Oh, yep. Okay. I yeah, like that nice. because I was able to rig it so that I could interchange. So if, when I was at work, I used the pump that was a work, which was a Spectra that somebody had just brought. And I managed yeah. to find the tubing to connect to the, I had the free me and I would connect it and then like I cut it and like spliced it. <laughs> I managed to figure out how to use any kind of pump that was, if it was like in front of me, I was like, all right, let's figure this out. And I would get the tubing and I would change it all out. And I managed to connect to any pump. It was a fun challenge. I love that. Yeah. I'm the MacGyver of breast pumps. I have friends that when they're trying to decide their pumps, like at work and stuff, I'm like, just bring it all in. I'll figure it out. That's funny. Yeah. I work with a lot of men. So it'll, it's, most of them are dads mm-hmm. though, which is, 
to get it. And I have no shame in my game at this point in this stage. Right. Like three kids, I don't care. But yeah, they do have a like a mother's room set up. Nice. They had to build, but they do have a mother's room set up. So I am because I do. I have an office with a door, but I do share it with another guy. Wow. So I've been threatening him and saying like, I'm just going to pump in here, and you're just going to have to deal with it. <laughs> Mm. And like, uh, yeah, do, you can do whatever you want to do. Like, it's totally fine with me. I'm like, I'm just kidding. I wouldn't do that to That's you. Funny. Like, it's, I can walk down the hallway and go <laughs> go to the mother's room. That's funny. <laughs> so, well, is there anything else that we didn't cover that you wanted to share? No, I think that's it. Yeah. I have three very, very different birth stories. Yes, for sure. And definitely, if you haven't, go back and listen to episode five where she shares the first two because they're super exciting. <laughs> <laughs> hot mess kids i mean they're all a hot mess but yeah totally worth it all right well amanda i will let you get back on with your day i'm sure you got lots to do with three kids at home thank you so much for sharing i will put some of the information that amanda shared in the show notes so that you can reference that awesome thank you thank you do you have questions that you wish a labor nurse could answer As your due date approaches, do you wish you could pick someone's brain about all the things that might happen during your labor? When you meet with your OB or midwife, do you forget your questions in the moment? Do you feel like you need someone to take more time to walk you through what might happen in the hospital and how to truly mentally prepare? You're in luck because I'm offering this as a free service in 2023. To get details on how to schedule a free session with me, email me at birthjourneysrn at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning into my podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on future episodes. Don't forget to share the podcast with a friend who can benefit from the valuable insights that we share here. And if you could take a moment to leave a five-star rating and review, it would mean the world to me. If you're ready to work one-on-one with me to embark on a transformational journey towards a confident and empowered hospital birth experience, go to kellyhoff.com backslash empowered and enroll in my Empowered Hospital Birth Coaching Program. Together, we'll create a roadmap to a birth experience that you'll cherish forever. That's K-E-L-L-Y-H-O-F dot com backslash empowered. Let's make your birth experience extraordinary.